ABC Grandstand. You're listening to ABC Grandstand's Hens FC. Hens FC. On ABC Local Radio. Hello and welcome to Hens FC. Uh, girls have all been sitting here yakking and it was suddenly, gee, the program's really loud. Well, just there's a knob there, turn it down, all right? So, And if you're listening at home and you're finding the program is really loud, just turn it down a little bit as well. I don't know whether you've thought of that, but <laughs> some of the ladies in the studio don't appear to have thought of that. But it's fun because they've been thinking about sport and really important issues, not fiddly little details about knobs that you turn. Now... Melinda I wish Farrell. there was a knob I could turn you down with sometimes, oh, Debbie Blake. I'm sure, I'm sure you're one of thousands that thinks like that. And, in fact, I've just been told to turn you down. <laughs> uh, that so, happens to me a lot. Yes. Uh, Mel Farrell, freelance journalist, uh, regular Hens FC panellist. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Deb. Uh, and Helen O'Neill, who does a fair bit of sport reporting for 1233 ABC in Newcastle. And... Uh, on the sideline sometimes for Rugby League and uh, A-League as well. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Deb. I love the fact that Helen gets on the train, comes down from Newcastle to be on the show. I thought we really appreciate that. Ten-minute run from Central. Yes. Out of here at 2.05 on the 2.15 home to Newcastle. So we won't be hanging around chatting with you after no, the show. No, it's nice to see you. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's right. We'll just say goodbye now. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Lindsay Clement Meehan from New South Wales and ACT AFL. You've got the most number of letters in your name of any regular panellist on the show. Yeah. In your title, rather. Well, Lindsay well, Clement Meehan's a long name as well. It's just attention-seeking. <laughs> thank you. That's uh, saved me saying it. Um, well, lovely to have you all here. And we might just do a quick whip around the table as you and find out what has been occupying your sporting minds in the last several days, Melinda Farrell? Oh, well, it's, you know, coming off a bit of origin period. I get sucked into all of that uh, and, and the NRL at the moment. There are a lot of big issues that come up and the restructuring of the competition. So I've been looking at that. But also I've been doing this other gig that's quite quite fun um, uh, once a week and, and it involves doing a bit of news but also finding some funny and cool stuff on the on the internet, and I'll tell you, the best one I found yesterday was Jason Belmonte, who happens to come from my hometown of Orange, is a world temping bowling champion, and uh, I discovered him doing trick bowling uh, on the internet. And if you if you want to see something cool, go and Google Jason Belmonte and trick bowling because I've never seen anything like it. He's a freak. He makes temping bowling cooler than it's ever been. So who would have thought I'd be <laughs> coming in and going, "Yeah, temping bowling, come on." Oh, Melinda Farrell, you spend – that's a job, Googling around the, yeah. the internet looking for people just doing cool stuff. And I'm so lazy I asked all my Facebook friends to send me any good ones they found to just make it easy. And I'm so lazy I didn't contribute anything. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say, Lindsay? I said most of us do that unpaid. <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing it for the love of the internet. Oh, no. <laughs> that's why she's freelance. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Helen, what call. have you been up to? Oh, well, I guess coming from um, Newcastle and the Hunter, the main issue has been the Tinkler group and, mm. and the Knights. And, and not only from my point of view, it's not only where will we head. You know, it looks like the NRL has almost reached agreement, but they'll be leaving out the members club. Now, if you know anything about the Knights, the members are the backbone of the club. 
However, it's not looking like they're going to have too much of a say in it. But as a result of the Tinklet pulling the money out of that and via the Hunter Sports Group, they've all taken, also taken the money out of Women's Surface, which was a, a huge event. They had so much money in it that it became a six-star event and looks like they're in need of a new sponsor. And, um, you know, when you draw the likes of Sally Fitz and Steph Gilmore and that to Newcastle, which is virtually one of the homes of surfing in Australia, it, it's sad times. So apart from watching lots of sport, I, it's great to get involved into the local um, culture of it and just see where we sit. We just keep raising our heads uh, despite adversity. And we keep hearing a lot about how this is impacting on the uh, the, the Knights in the NRL. What are you hearing about the Newcastle Jets and their situation in the A-League? Nothing. Nothing? Very little has come out. And I guess it's a different situation because that's a licence and therefore they would have to sell the licence, Hunter Sports Group. Very little. In fact, the new coach, uh, Phil Stubbins, has only as late as yesterday signed two new players. So there seems to be no holding back. I think they start their pre-season on Monday week. So it's very much a, um, a wait and see when the Knights, the dust settles, I guess, on the Knights, then who knows what. Uh, path the Jets will take. Mm. And Lindsay Clement Mann, what in the world uh, are we talking AFL with you here? Is that the, always, is, always, always AFL? So what, Actually, what? no. I had a wonderful experience last weekend. I went to Alice Springs for the first time uh, for Indigenous Round, and it was the Port Adelaide and Melbourne match. And I went up there a bit early and did some um, just some community stuff with some of the Melbourne players. Hopped on the bus and the two players that were there were none other than Mitch Clisby and Max King, two of my New South Wales players. So I was very pleased to see them. I love um, the way you say my New South Wales players. Yes. I'm like a mother hen. I think they were a bit taken aback by that, actually. <laughs> How do you know where we're from? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I've been stalking you. Yeah. Uh, I know a... everything about you, boys. Don't worry. <laughs> Purely well, for publicity purposes, obviously. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, that would have spoiled their weekend for them, having yeah. uh, someone, a media <laughs> media relations person, just hanging around, keeping an eye Always on them. Always. <laughs> one eye open. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, so that's our panel today. Some of the topics that we'll be covering, we'll look at well, a topic from AFL that's pretty much rolled gold topic for Hens FC is the appointment to coaching staff at St Kilda of uh, a woman coach at Peter Searle. We'll have a, a bit of a chat about her and we'll hear a little bit of uh, what's been said about her this week. We'll also talk about Ernest Gulbis. What a character. Uh, he didn't get a through. colourful racing identity Yes, type, a, a colourful racing identity <laughs> who happens to play tennis. Yeah. And uh, he was uh, he made headlines this week for some things he said about women's tennis. He didn't get through last night, in case you're wondering. Tomorrow night's men's final at the French Open will be Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic. And tonight it will be Simona Halep coming up against Maria Sharapova and we'll have a bit of a chat about that later on as well and our guest today will be hockey room player uh, Tanil Attard she's not in uh, the Netherlands with the team at the moment out injured but obviously she's someone hoping to get back into the side for the Commonwealth Games which is not too far away and so she's been watching very carefully what's happening with the hockey roos in the Netherlands so all that still to come here on Hens FC and we're going to start with uh, the top that has been pretty big if, um, in New South Wales, of course, rugby league, often the, the main topic. And what's been going on with the player transfer system? We'll hear a bit about that next. On ABC Grandstand. You're listening to ABC Grandstand's Hens FC. Hens FC. On ABC Local Radio. Online and on Grandstand Digital. <laughs> 
Canberra Raiders have pulled off a big coup, signing Young West Tigers fullback James Tedesco for the next three seasons. The 21 year old has played 25 games and scored 12 tries for the Tigers. James Tedesco says it was a tough decision to leave the club for Canberra, but he's confident it's the right move. He told his Tigers teammates this morning. It's quite hard, you know, I got a bit emotional there, but. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah, you know, they're all backing me 100% and um, very excited and very um, you know, committed. You're happy when I'm on my knees. West Tigers management said they tried to keep Tedesco at the club. He has played with since he was 13 and will be disappointed to see him leave after this season. Well, come on and let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? We have had a couple of callers who, and they're unconfirmed, so we don't know who they are, but are suggesting that James Tedesco may be about to do a turnabout and not play with the Raiders and stay with the West Tigers. And we've just got some breaking rugby league news. The Daily Telegraph is reporting Tigers fullback James Tedesco has reneged on his deal to join Canberra next season. James Tedesco was going, now he's staying. The West Tigers are happy. The Canberra Raiders, furious. Don't you know which clothes even fit me? He's accepted up to half a million less to stay. Robbie Farrow slammed the Tigers for their handling of the James Tedesco affair. Farrow is happy Tedesco has turned his back on the Raiders. The only people that probably handled it the right way were the Canberra Raiders. 21-year-old had a change of heart before the June 30 deadline. There are some early suggestions maybe the Tigers had come back with some additional third-party payments. Tedesco's apologised, saying he never felt comfortable with his decision to leave the Tigers and has realised it is too difficult to leave his best mates at the club. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? As a mate and as a club captain, I obviously gave him my opinion and, and some advice and I told him if he was serious um, about changing his mind that we'd obviously support him. So you gotta let me know. There might have been a couple of pleasers and come on mate, stay here. It's hard for supporters. It's Supporters are passionate about their club. They don't really like mid-season signings, regardless whether it's for your club or against it. It's a bit hard to take. What does all of this, though, say about NRL contracts these days? Indeed. What does it all say about NRL contracts these days? Melinda Farrell, you're someone who loves your rugby league. I saw you shaking your head during some of those news reports. First he was going to Canberra. Now he's staying at West Tigers. Who who looks worst out worse out of this? James Tedesco, the Tigers, the Raiders. Who? Well, the, the only ones who actually come out of it looking looking good are probably the Raiders for for all the good it's done them. And you can understand them being. But why really, do they look good? They just well, can't recruit not good, anyone. but yeah, well, good in that they they 
probably did the right thing, I guess, where you might be able to argue that other parties who were involved perhaps didn't do the right thing. But uh, it's well within the rules, having said that. It's within the rules. So you have to say, if the rules are there, a player's perfectly entitled to do what James Tedesco's done. I think the other the other side of it, it's not a simple case of deciding and then changing his mind. When you look at what happened in the last week with Josh Mansour deciding to stay at the Penrith Panthers and, and Kevin Proctor deciding that he wasn't going to go to Canberra. Milford's leaving. Canberra's got a big problem because they've, they've got this money under the salary cap all of a sudden, but they're not able to attract players. So I, I, I wonder if Tedesco was looking at it because obviously, you know, when you recruit a player, one of the things you do is you say, look, we've got this person coming, this person coming, these are our plans. So for him, maybe he was looking during the week at all these players who were suddenly not going to Canberra. So it wasn't seeming like as good an option. And then other people, I guess, have been sort of saying, well, what if we do this or that? I hate it personally. Like you only look back to the drama with Tim Maltzen a couple of years, which again involved the Tigers. Um, I hate it. I just think it looks bad. And and I, every time someone suggests a different system, whether it be having a trade period at the end of the year, like, like the AFL or whatever else it is, someone else comes up and says, no, this is why this wouldn't work. Players have to be able to secure their future and and all of this as well. And we've had other situations where a player signed for another club two years out. I think like James Maloney did that when he was at the Warriors with the Roosters. And then people don't like that as well. So I don't know if there's a perfect system. I don't know if anyone's come up with the perfect system yesterday, uh, yet at this point. But um, I think it just it looks really bad because for most people in life, when you sign a contract – you sign a contract and there are consequences for that. I mean, sure, they're probably cooling off periods in other contract signing things, but this is a very public thing as well, like a very public contract signing. And I ha I just hate the look of it. I hate the feel of it. I just think it makes it, – it, it just makes everyone look bad. Really. And just really unprofessional. Yeah, really yeah. unprofessional. And it sort of reflects poorly on the player, on the manager, on the club. You know, as you said, no one wins. Mm. But, I mean, with the AFL, with the trade period um, – you know, it works functionally, I suppose, but there's still, um, you know, a lot of speculation over certain players throughout the year and that kind of thing. So, as you say, whether it's better to um, have the player sign the contract and then be done with it and then finish out the season or whether it is, you know, better to hold off until the season ends, I guess you can't say, but... Yeah, definitely. Reneging on contracts is not a good look. I'm curious with the AFL why there's not as much focus on rumours about who's going where. I mean, it just AFL people always seem quite astonished that there's so much uh, newsprint devoted to well, the, this player that's at this club this year or this coach that's at this club might be at this other club next year or he's already signed to go to this other club next year. Why do those kind of leaks not happen in the AFL? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think um, probably the Lance Franklin episode last year really, you know, exemplifies that. I mean, that was the decision that shocked the industry, really. Um, but I think it's probably just part of the industry, really. Um, you know, maybe it's just sort of a legacy manners type thing or, you know, discretion and that's kind of built into the way people think. Is there, is, well, is there also maybe a thing, I guess, thinking about the draft system because also, if you're talking culturally, people are used to finding out it's a big surprise, like, you know, yeah, who's absolutely. going where. So it's so there's a bit of that culture maybe in mm. AFL where people are used to just being told, oh, you're getting this player. Yeah, but yeah. the rugby league though, 
it's under Rule 13, which mm. is just amazing. Surely they need to lobby to get rid of that. I mean, from a point of view, Tedesco hasn't done anything wrong. But as you say, Mel, when you talk about a cooling off period, it's generally about buying a house. Mm. It's not actually about the loyalty of somebody staying with a club. And then it also says, well, the Ricky uh, Stewart magnetism has it. Obviously, it's it's not a factor anymore. I mean, he's been he didn't set the world alight with state of origin coaching, um, Canberra this year, and, Parramatta. Yeah, that's right. So I don't think he's longer a big draw card. But then from Tedesco's point of view, he's only played twenty five first grade games. That's not a really an established household name outside, you know, his club perhaps. Um, and so, but he could go to Canberra and be the big fish. In the, in the you know the pool that's not going too well, and the, that that the, just the pool might... may be frozen for a lot of the year. That's probably <laughs> yeah, one of the but problems. still he can still be a hero down there. And if he plays well, they they just may look at him. But um, let's get rid of Rule Thirteen. That's ridiculous. I think you know to that example, um, Gary Ablett Jr. moving from Geelong to the Suns. I mean that's mm. a great example of that. And I think you know it, it's really up to a player whether they want to take that the next step and it's a risk it's a risk for everyone I mean it's a risk for the club paying all that money but um in the end you just need to be really certain about something and give it a hundred percent well yeah. it was a risk for, it was a risk on uh, with signing Tedesco anyway too because he I mean we injury don't know how prone. injury prone he actually mm. is at the you know right from the start when he came so um it was a probably a bit of a risk for them anyway but geez I, I just I feel sorry for Canberra fans yeah. and uh I really do at the moment. I just think they must be absolutely shattered. It's not been a good week for them. Well, they don't have a whole lot of third-party agreement they can enter into, do they? I mean, Tony Abbott's not going to say, all right, well, (laughs) you know, the Liberal Party will donate an extra couple of million to the Tedesco fund. (laughs) No, 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 it ain't going to happen. And milk supplies are quite good, though, aren't they? Not anymore. I think there's somebody new on the jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Green milk was right there. What about the player-manager role in this. That's one of the things that I think has been an unspoken element in this this week. I mean, just I would have thought part of a player-manager's role is to actually ascertain what his client wants. Now, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just guessing what went on here, but, but it well, would seem that... One would hope that... there was at least a preliminary chat. Do you want to move to Canberra? Yes, no. No, I'm just concentrating on my footy, mate. You look after the deal. Yeah, that's well, basically what you hear coming out of yeah. the mouths of footballers. That, that's it. A, a lot of a lot of players do hand a lot of responsibility away because they don't want to think about it. And you're talking about young men too. I mean, Tedesco's what 20, 21. Yeah, but sure, he's a young man. But isn't isn't there some onus on the manager to uh, actually yeah. before this all goes through and and a contract is signed to kind of sit down and say, now look. You know, this means leaving your mates at the Tigers. This means going to Canberra. You'll be living in a different city, different atmosphere. Is this really what you want? Or is the manager just going, well, let's see what my percentage of mm. your half a million dollar contract will be? Well, it's uh, probably impossible to say. And it probably um, yes, depends I a don't lot know, on who the manager is Well, it was well. Sam Ayub. And, and honestly, I you know, I've got no issue with Sam Ayub. I don't know, obviously, what went on between them. But... To me, the manager should be one of the people you would then be looking at and thinking, well, yes, he's a young guy. He's prone to changing his mind. Maybe he doesn't quite know what he wants. But isn't that part of your job to actually ascertain what it is that he wants and what's best for him? Uh, or are you, just, are you just sort of gunning for the biggest contract you can get and then if he pulls out later, oh, well. Yeah, well, well 
Uh, also, a lot of the speculation and the hype that surrounds these signings ends up coming from the managers as well. I mean, we all know that, that, well, that the stories they... are leaked and mm. and they go to certain journalists and, and sometimes stories are beaten up and you read stories about someone being interested in, in certain players and, and it's all just a bit of a chess, a few chess moves to see if you can actually bump someone's price up and, and, and make them more valuable. I mean, It's an auction buyer headline. Yeah it, yeah, it is, exactly. And... So we all know that that kind of thing happens a lot and can sometimes then get a little bit out of control, I guess. But what uh, they were saying that the Canberra Club actually slipped up themselves by making it a feature on yeah. the, one of the main pages of the Canberra Times. Oh, look, <clears throat> excuse me, look who's coming to town. You know, whereas had they kept that a little quieter, then maybe it wouldn't have blown out like it did. Mm. It's just, I suppose that when you put that, that piece together at the start, Deb, and why I was shaking my head, it's, it's when you actually look at a compilation of all those quotes and, and you hear James Tedesco saying, I'm really committed. Um, and, and, my, yeah. and my West Tigers teammates are giving me full support As, with full the support. decision. Exactly. You hear all of those things together and, and that's when it really looks yes. bad. I mean, he, he grew up playing from 13, I think he's been with the Tigers, and with the likes of Luke Brooks and players like that coming through. I think the Tigers are in for an yeah. exciting era to, if the potential you know, comes to fruition. So if you really were into your mates, you yeah. wouldn't be heading to the down to see the Parliament. You were with Debbie Spillane on Hens FC and the panel today, Melinda Farrell, Helen O'Neill and Lindsay clement Meehan. Shortly we'll be talking hockey with Tanil Attard, one of the hockey roos who should have been in the Netherlands with the team at the moment, but unfortunately a last-minute injury ruled her out of contention. We'll get her thoughts on how her teammates are performing at The Hague, which always sounds kind of... That, that, being at the Hague, I don't know. It just sounds like they're they're in some deep trouble, but uh, but they're not. Well, they they haven't been going great, but it's not not that dramatic. But before we leave the topic of that we're on about James Tedesco, the other thing that I thought listening to that package when I was putting together some of the quotes, the other thing that struck me was this idea that uh, players' teammates are now sort of chipping away at at the player who's signed to go to another club because they know there is a cooling off period. So you've got players like Robbie Farrow saying, oh, well, you know, I sat him down and had a coffee with him and said, look, you know, if, if you want to pull out of it, we'll, we'll support you. Now, that's happened before at the West Tigers. The the spectre of player power in terms of... And, and Robbie Farrow criticising the Tigers for how they handled the situation. Other players now having too much say in the recruitment and retention policies at their clubs. Well, if they're having, I mean, wh whether or not they've got too much say depends entirely on whether the player in question who's thinking about going is is going to listen to them. I mean, you also do have other other cases where someone has left a club or someone's been forced out of a club, and you know that that kind of thing happens as well. I'm sure someone like like uh, a Glenn Stewart doesn't want to be leaving Manly. So it can... I know, but there's been talk that that has caused disruption yeah. within the club because some of the players are putting pressure on other players who are being retained and that's seen to be at the expense yeah. of other players. I mean, I don't recall this being a situation in the past where players are putting pressure on management about who they recruit and, and who they, maybe they do. Maybe it's just leaking more. Maybe it has mm. happened before. I don't know. Well, also maybe that's part of the, you know, we have had a big uh, rise in player salaries and player profiles, I think, as well. So maybe they do have more power now in deciding yeah. that. And Particularly if they're in the position that you want. You might say, look, it would be a great deal to go to Canberra, knowing that I'll be the then hooker. <laughs> you, you go. I'll help you pack. Uh -huh. yes. I think I think 
you're right. Salaries, you know, for particular players, I think it would be really interesting to see how the team dynamic changes um, once, you know, you see people coming into teams for extraordinary amounts of money and, you know, and whether there is pressure on the team to behave in a certain way and, you know, that sort of thing. I, I would be interested to 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 learn more about that. Particularly in a salary cap dynamic, which means the money mm. that you get reduces mm. the potential for me to earn, like... For instance, in an English Premier League setting, you know, if there's unlimited funds to be thrown around, I mean, there's a bit of ego, like, you know, he's getting paid more than me, but in a salary cap, it's actually, there's only... It's so finite. The, yes, yeah, there's resources. only, the you yeah. know, the pie is only so big and yeah. the bigger the slice you get, yeah. the, the smaller slice I have to settle for. Well, that's for. right. Now are only human. I mean, imagine the four of us sitting here and we're all great mates and we're getting paid to do this, but all, all of a sudden someone comes in and says, oh, Debs, we're going to pay you heaps more, so Mel, sorry, you're out the door. Like, that would put a strain on mm. our friendship. That's, that's only natural mm. human We'd take behavior. you out for coffee, but and convince you to stay. <laughs> coffee? I'm going to stick drink. drink. It must be Several. a great coffee shop. Here, <laughs> uh, but hasn't Mick Potter, way, the coach, been quiet in all this? He has, mm. yes. Mm. Well, Which he might be one of those coaches that just leaves the... Although well, in the Benji thing, he was mm. quite the forefront. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, mm. I was just thinking that whole sort of discrepancy in payments between teams. That's why I'm paying all of you exactly the same <laughs> amount for being here today. Yeah. Oh, nothing. in a paper cup. That's right. <laughs> Train yes. fares have gone up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're going to talk hockey with Tanil Attard very shortly. You're on Hens FC. Melinda Farrell, Helen O'Neill and Lindsay Clement-Meehan are on the panel today. This is ABC Grandstand's Hens FC with Debbie Spillane. I should mention that also coming up in the last half hour of the show, we'll, I'll be playing a clue for your chance to run with the Wallabies. It's a family pass to go to the test between Australia and France and someone from your family or maybe you'll have to borrow someone from outside your family but a child aged between 7 and 15 will be able to walk with the team mascot Wally the Wallaby from the tunnel onto the field alongside a player so that's uh, being run uh, in conjunction with uh, some of the other programs on 702 one of the clues will be coming up in the next half hour but let's talk hockey now and welcome to the show to Neil Attard hi to Neil Hi, how are you going? Thanks for having me. Oh, not no. We really appreciate you being available because I guess in some ways this must be kind of a bit of a bittersweet experience for you sitting at home watching the hockey ruse playing in a World Cup. You've played in a couple of World Cups yourself, and unfortunately, uh, injury struck you at the wrong time for this one. What's what's the experience like being an armchair hockey rue? Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is definitely devastating. Um, and you know, I've had my fair share of injuries throughout my career, so. I always kind of question why me, but, you know, it's part of uh, being an athlete and and the challenges that it adds, you know, it, it always makes things interesting. So although I hate I hate sitting on the couch watching, um, you know, I'm very passionate about the team and the hard work that the girls have put in. So, you know, I'm right behind them and um, they're doing great so far. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what they're going to produce in the next couple of games. Well, the next game is going to be the tough one against the Netherlands. Yeah, absolutely. They play um, tonight, local time, 7.45 over there. Um, so I'll be getting up at 3am or something stupid to to watch them. But um, yeah, last time we met, Holland was at the final in um, Argentina, the World League 4, late last year. And um, we were okay for the first half and then got taught a bit of a lesson in the second half. So 
um, you know, we've done a bit of homework on the Dutch over the last six months and uh, the girls will be ready to play them. And, um, yeah, I'm hoping that they can um, put a good solid performance together and, and um, yeah, show the Dutch what we're made of. Tanil, uh, it's, it's Mel here. I'm just interested uh, in, in your perspective being back here, what, what you make of the coverage of it. Because something that, that struck me is I think uh, hockey is one of the sports where men and women get pretty equal uh, coverage, especially something like this. I've noticed a lot in where it's been in news bulletins and everything else, there's been pretty equal coverage given to, to both uh, the, the men's and the women's teams. Is that, is that how you feel? Is it, is it fairly spread even? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, ABC obviously showing the the games live when they can, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, on other news and in the papers, it's it's got both the men's and women's results, which I think is great. It's the first time in a long time that the men and women have played at a World Cup together. And I actually think it probably uh, creates a bit more hype around it. So, um, but we're definitely, the women are definitely getting the coverage that uh, we deserve. And yeah, I think it's great. I think, oh, hi, sorry, it's Lindsay. Um, I think Australia has sort of become so used to us being very successful and, you know, relatively dominant in the hockey um, arena for both the men and the women. How do you think, you know, we've created this sort of mindset of winning? I mean, do you do you think there's any secret to it? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. You know, obviously the women back in the 2000 era when Rick Charlesworth was coaching, uh, were an amazing team, and um, and then you know the the boys have kind of taken over that in the last probably four to six years. But um, we're the women's team are now coming back up to par, and we're both very very equal. You know the men are ranked number one in the world at the moment, and we're ranked fourth closely behind England. So um, you know, and I think our world ranking will go up again after this tournament. So um, yeah, look, I don't know what it is, but um, the influence in the hockey world and in Australia is, is great. And, you know, the juniors all around the country, uh, there's great programs out there from grassroots and in the men and women and probably more so in the female side. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but it's definitely a great sport to play. And uh, in Australia, you know, we've got the, the climate and whatnot to be able to play all year round. So maybe that helps. But, yeah, I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, hi, it's Helen here. Just on the back of that success... We've been speaking about rugby league and the money and, and players changing clubs and even knocking back as much as a half a million dollars to stay where they put. How do you feel as a hockey player sometimes when you hear about these massive amounts thrown around at other sports and while yours is above playing just for the love of the game, do you ever stop and think, eh, maybe I'm playing the wrong sport? <laughs> yeah, um, look, not not really because you know hockey is such a great sport and I love playing with my teammates and um, you know, if I wanted to play sport for money, I'd, I would go and choose something different. But I don't think any of any of us um, are in it for, for that. Um, I do think it's fantastic that, you know, some of the football players are deciding to stay um, loyal to their clubs and stay where they, where they first kind of started. Um, but, yeah, with hockey, you know, we get looked after by the government and our sponsors. So that's fantastic. Um, but at the end of the day, we do play it for the love of the game. And, you know, we get the benefits of playing at Olympic Games and World Cups and Commonwealth Games as well. So those kind of experiences kind of outweigh the financial, um, I don't know, rewards, I guess. So, yeah. Are things a little different in other countries? I was listening to Quentin Hull speaking this morning to Al Crombie on Grandstand Digital Breakfast and he was talking about 
how the profile of the hockey players in the Netherlands itself was just massive. He was talking about a mass. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the the female player's <laughs> name, but he said there was a a massive billboard in uh, one of the sort of central parts of the Hague of this uh, women's hockey player from the Netherlands, and I, I just wondered whether perhaps there are countries where it it is sort of uh, more of a profile, and therefore there's there's more money for the players. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, definitely in Holland, there there's a league that um, international players actually get paid to go and play over there for you know six to twelve months. Um, Emily Hertz, who's in our team at the World Cup at the moment, does play in Holland um, and does get paid. I'm not sure how much or whatever it is, but uh, there is definitely some money over in the European teams. And for the men, there's the Indian Hockey League, which you know is massive for our guys because they've been able to go over and earn a decent amount, you know, in that in that six month period. So, you know, I think it's becoming it's starting to become more of a um, international sport that will be paid. Um, and you know, the more the media get into it, obviously, the more um, more money that's thrown at the sport. So, you know, and you know, FIH, the Hockey Federation, are changing the rules all the time to make it a more spectator friendly sport. And um, after the World Cup, we're actually changing to four quarters. Um, so for 15-minute quarters rather than the traditional two 35-minute halves. So there's, there's changes happening in the sport to make sure that uh, we're keeping on top of things and that um, we've got the interest. So, yeah, I think money will play a part in... in I'm not sure it'll happen in Australia, like in the next, you know, five, ten years, but maybe later on down the track. So next up we've got the Netherlands and then um, the Hockey Rizzo facing in New Zealand. What would you say the biggest rivalry is? Between those two teams? Or? Uh, no, just in general. I mean, who do you in guys general. who do you guys look at and think you know you've really got a long history of enmity? Who's whose butt yeah, do you sure. like kicking most? I guess that, that would be the simple way of, of putting it. Well, yeah, I think definitely New Zealand. Obviously, that Trans Tasman rivalry. Um, but playing Holland, the number one team in the world, is always a challenge, and to beat those guys, it it feels amazing. You know, in my career, we've, I've probably played them. I don't know, say. 15 times and only won maybe two or three of those games. So they're a team that, you know, you go out to play to try to win and because they're the best and you want to beat the best. Um, whereas New Zealand, it's a little bit different. It's that, you know, trans-Tasman rivalry, but it's always a tough game against the Kiwis and I'm sure the girls will be looking forward to that match on the last, last round game as well. Just wondering if from someone who's been on the inside and, and knows those opponents quite well, what do you think realistically Australia's chances are of going all the way? Yeah, look, we're, we're sitting pretty good at the moment. We're three from three on top of the table with Holland and obviously we've got them next and then New Zealand. And New Zealand haven't had a great start to the tournament, so they'll definitely be looking to win um, the game against us. So um, at, the, at the moment, I think we're, we're going good. We've played some really good hockey we've been able to score some goals you know at the Olympics that was one of our problems in London we couldn't put the ball in the net but we've already scored nine goals in three games and um, you know we're playing well we, we ball, the ball handling is quite good and um, you know I'm sh- and I'm sure the feeling in the group is quite good so uh, yeah look tonight will be a, a massive test and then to come out against New Zealand will be really important it'll be like a quarterfinal I imagine um, to make sure that we're in that top two um, in the pool so that we can make the semi-finals. So I read that we've won all of our games so far with the scoreline 3-2. 
<laughs> when does that happen? I mean, that's yeah, and that's a funny little habit. They've to get come into. from behind a couple of times yeah. too, haven't they? And surely, yeah, and I, know, I know you're talking about the goals that you've scored being uh, the plus side, but conceding two goals each game, I'm sure that's not got the coach Adam Commons too happy. No, I can't imagine. And again, you know, at, at London Olympics, we had two goals scored against us the whole tournament. Um, so to have already conceded six and two in each game, it is a bit of a worry. Um, but, you know, the teams that we've played, Korea, Belgium, they're counter-attack teams that have great speed and um, that's one of their major threats is the counter-attack. So, you know, I'm sure um, Adam and Jason, our other coach, are looking at the defensive structures and tidying those bits and pieces up to make sure that, um, you know, there will be no, no none of those breakaway goals. And, and Holland and New Zealand are the same. You know, they're quite fast and um, we'll look to to counter because we're Australia are quite an attacking team so you know we're often pushing for goals all the time so it leaves us a little bit defensively um not weak but you know vulnerable I guess at times if we don't have the structure in place so that'll be definitely a focus over the next couple of games and from your own career point of view when will we see you back in action yeah look I've started back running which is very exciting um <laughs> uh having nine weeks sitting down is not so much fun as an athlete but yeah look I'm getting back on track and um, I'll be pushing hard to be ready in time for the Commonwealth Games. But obviously, you know, there's selections and all that kind of thing that I need to think about. But I'll, I'll be doing everything I can to make myself available for the team. All right. Well, we wish you good luck with the bid to get back into the team in term, in time for the Commonwealth Games because that's uh, the next big event coming up for the Hockey Roos. Daniil Attard, really appreciate your time today and we'll be watching with interest to see how the Hockey Roos and, uh, of course, the Kookaburras go as well in the rest of this World Cup in the Netherlands. Being covered on ABC television, of course. Thanks, Daniil. Nice to talk to you. Thanks very much. ABC Grandstand Digital. AFL, Cricket, A-League, NRL, Tennis, Rugby and stay tuned right here with Francis Leach where you're guaranteed to stay up to date with all things sport. ABC Grandstand Digital. For more information on ABC Grandstand Sport, visit abc.net.au slash grandstand. ABC Grandstand. If it moves, we'll call it. ABC Grandstand. You're listening to ABC Grandstand's Hens FC. Hens FC. On ABC Local Radio. Online and on Grandstand Digital. <laughs> Deb Spillane with you and our guest panel on Hens today, or the guests on the panel, Melinda Farrell, Helen O'Neill and Lindsay Clement-Mean. We're going to be talking about a fairly significant appointment in the AFL this week, but I did mention before that there's a special offer for listeners Rugby league fans, we're going to play a rugby league, rugby union fans, I should say, but it wouldn't matter. You could be a rugby league fan and an AFL fan as well. But if you want to see the Wallabies and uh, get a chance for someone in your family or perhaps a neighbour or a friend, someone between the ages of five to uh, seven to 15, rather, to walk out with Wally the Wallaby, the mascot, onto the field for the test in Sydney, the Wallabies versus France. It's at... Uh, SFS on the 21st of June in the afternoon to three o'clock kickoff. The family pass involves four tickets, and of course, that child aged seven to 15 is included in that family pass. What you have to do is keep a list of the try scorers 
that we're going to broadcast. There's some little uh, clips that we're going to be playing uh, this over the weekend. Uh, there'll be it'll be played again with uh, Neve Owen and settling the score a little bit later. But on 702 Breakfast with Robbie Buck next week, you'll be able to pick up some of the other clues. Write down the try scorers, and here's a try coming now. <laughs> Get set with Team 702. This is a chance to win an amazing experience for your child and the family. Who scores the try? Grandstand out on the back line. Debbie Spillane to Chris Ullman and on to Robbie Buck. And here's Richard Glover. And on to B1 and B2. Scores in the corner. Who scores the try? The 702 ABC Sydney Run with the Wallabies competition. Make sure you listen to breakfast for further clues. Find full details at abc.net.au slash sydney. And I don't think uh, the hens here today are eligible to, to enter. Damn, because so, no. I'm sure you could outrun B1 and B2. I, I could have. I, I was just being unselfish in that play there <laughs> where I just offloaded the ball right at the start. Let's uh, talk about something else that's happened in the world of sport. As I said, when I heard it this week, I thought this has to be a topic for Hens <laughs> FC this weekend. Let me play this little piece to set up the story for you. St Kilda has made history by appointing Peter Searle as a development coach. She's the first woman to land a full-time AFL coaching role. It's a groundbreaking day in AFL. St Kilda have appointed the game's first female assistant coach in Peter Searle. The mother of two has been biding her time for years and almost gave up on her dream of making it to the top level. I'm looking for a hard-headed woman I do recognise that today is a significant moment um, for all people and for all women in particular who would have an ambition to coach uh, in AFL. But I'm most delighted that Peter got the job off the back of her CV. I must declare an interest here because Peter, over the last 10 weeks, has been shouting at me to uh, go out and tell her defenders how to play as her match day runner, as part of the coaching staff at the St Kevin's Old Boys Football Club. Saints coach Alan Richardson says Searle was the most qualified person for the job. Been really clear all the way through, speaking to people and seeing the work that Peter's done. Her, her commitment to her footy and the clubs and the players that she has been involved with has been outstanding and so we're just delighted to have her on board. Peter, I certainly know when you do something that's new and a bit different, uh, the feedback isn't always positive initially. Uh, how have you found this week? What's the feed feedback and reaction been like? On my Twitter account, which has just gone crazy, every single tweet has been um, absolutely positive, full of um, congratulations and warmth and support. There's a development role working with uh, the younger boys uh, coming through. In terms of which ones, uh, I had a bit of a quick chat to Simon McPhee the other day and um, obviously we'll sit down on Monday and, and work out which, which, which boys um, they want me to work with specifically. Will you have a match day role or will it be during the week? No, I'll be match day at VFL. Uh, it would have been a strange week, Peter. I know we spoke about this on Tell the other night. It would have been a bit surreal. Obviously, to get to this stage, I've had to coach my own team in, in my own right. And, you know, as a coach, you know, you love, you love to coach your own side. But, uh, look, you know, for me, it's always just about... Uh, 
you know, making the most of the opportunity and, and doing doing your job really well. You've just got to believe in yourself and know there's a lot more people behind you than not. And if I find my heart I love the game. Uh, I think I'm pretty good at coaching it and teaching it, but obviously you always want to learn and, and get better and grow. And, you know, you, you do want to work with the best. There's no doubt about that. And if I find my heart woman, Peter Searle, she is going to have to be a hard-headed woman, I think. But isn't it great to, to see a woman uh, recognise her ability to pass on knowledge of the game? And that's essentially what coaching is. She's a Absolutely. school teacher as well. Yeah. Lindsay clement Man, you're the AFL person on the panel. What's been the, the vibe around AFL about Peter Searle's appointment this week? Really excited. I just think it's brilliant. And a lot of people are really recognising that um, we have so many tremendous, you know, talents um within our sort of women's football arena and um obviously seeing that you know her talent and expertise can translate to um the highest form of the game is is fantastic and she's got an amazing cv so she would have been an extremely good candidate so i'm glad that she was recognized it was great fantastic. that it, that it was mentioned there that uh, she got the job on, on because she had the best CV. I could have done without the news report where mother of two. I mean, whenever when a guy gets appointed to a job, do they ever say, you know, Paul McGregor, father of, I don't, I don't know. No, I mean, when, I, when they, they need retire. a bit of positive PR. When they retire, they say they're going to spend more time with their family. But we never so mentioned them know. until then. <laughs> no. yeah. So you've worked at a football club on the staff at the Knights, Helen, not, not in a coaching capacity, but fitness and, and training. Mm-hmm. How do you what do you think will be the challenges for Peter Searle? I think um, I recall when I was appointed to one of the roles I had up there and one of the hardcore footy heads said, well, how can you coach it when you've never played the game? And I simply said, well, how can Gay Waterhouse train a horse when she's never been a horse? So <laughs> That is brilliant. I mean, really, when you think about it, it isn't always – and it isn't always the top players – that go through to be the top coaches. So I think, Peter, when I remember reading that, and I, I was really stoked that, that we've come that far, you know, it'd be great to see the NRL do the same thing because you're right, Deb. You can be a scholar of sport and, and games um, game sense and the whole deal and just because you haven't necessarily played at that level because the opportunity hasn't been there for you doesn't mean that you can't pass on the intricacies and the idiosyncrasies of the game. But I think from her point of view, she'll cop some flack. But I think the way you do it is to establish your credibility. Mm. And, and, that, and I, yeah, that I, came I through when they said right, she had yeah. the best CV. You know, you don't go out and get drunk with the players. You don't pretend to, you know, walk, wear your stilettos to training, anything like that. You just take on the role that you've been appointed to do and your credibility will certainly shine through and, and, and mutual respect will, will come as a result. But I thought it was really interesting that um, Peter obviously acknowledged that, no, she hasn't played AFL football, you know, in the mm. AFL as such, but... Um, you know, her perspective on the game is something that is also valuable. And I think that's absolutely right, is that the majority of coaches um, that you do see in the AFL and, you know, the football 
landscape at large have been in the system since, you know, they were young boys and they've come all the way through and that's all they know. So having someone who's, you know, played football, she's won, you know, five premierships in the Mm. Victorian women's football, Um, three All-Australians, she was, you know, coached VFL and she's coached in the TAC Cup. She's really well-placed and she's obviously, you know, reading football and reading the game from a completely different background. I think that's probably going to be a refreshing um, change for the guys at St Kilda. And it's it's interesting, and I note that she almost did walk away from the game at one point because she didn't feel that there were going to be any opportunities. So I guess that shows there's still that there are obviously still areas of the game where you want to improve improve that. And I, I note with interest you're all picking up on the fact that she's that it was pointed out she got it off the back of her CV. Hopefully, you know, I look forward to the day where you don't actually have to, to say, say that. that. Mm. Like you, you shouldn't. Why else would she have got it? Like, and I know that the implication could be from other people that is that it's it's a move of political correctness or, or positive discrimination or it's great PR or whatever it is. But it'd be nice to have a time where you wouldn't actually have to say that she's got it based on her CV. And I do think in AFL as well, AFL's probably, I think Lindsay and I were talking about this out the back, probably I reckon half a generation ahead of a code like the NRL, just in that for, for years now, it hasn't been a, 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 an unusual thing to see the goal umpires, for example, who are female. So you're so used to seeing um, officials and various other people, whereas in the NRL, it was quite a big deal when Casey Badger first came through and was a touch judge in, in the mm. under twenties. So that's still they're, they're trying to very much move that forward. But each time something like this happens, or like Raylene Castle becoming the first female CEO of an NRL club, for example, again huge deal made of that, and and she was scrutinised quite heavily about her qualifications. Um, each time it happens then you just hope that they can do a good job and that and we'll all understand this from being in the media. If they if they slip up, it should never be taken as, oh, it's because they're She's female. Exactly. And that, yeah. that was going to be my next point. If at any point uh, she gets moved on from the role at St Kilda, hopefully it's moved up. But if for some reason the management changes and that's usually where support staff go out the door as another coach comes in and says, well, you know, I want to bring in different support staff. We have to all bear in mind that that happens all the time to mm. male uh, coaches as well. So if if she does get punted from that job eventually, um, let's not assume that that's because she was a, a woman either. So yeah, it's it's important. It's it's great. It's great that it's happened, and and mm. hopefully, as you say, it is funny that they have to keep saying that it was on the back of a CV because I guess there would be the cynics. Oh yeah, they've just done that to mm. to get some some good publicity. But but I mean, on, on the flip side, it's great that they're pointing out what she has accomplished in footy. So, I mean, good with the bad, I suppose. Mm. But she can also have a positive... I mean, there's such a big push now on using football as whatever code for this domestic violence. And if she's working with boys in a development role, they can see the qualities that a woman can not only bring to the game, but a woman as a woman is. So I think it's a very much Yeah, and, and working with the younger players as they're coming through, it's a great path for her because if she does have what it takes to go ahead and become a senior coach, she will have already built up a relationship with some of the younger yeah. players. And I think that's probably the only path for a woman in any code of football to get through to some sort of top level is to, to build your credentials with the younger players yeah. so that you have become accepted and they understand that you're you're just the coach, not, not some woman coming in from... Mm-hmm 
totally outside if you if you work your way up within the system i think there's yeah. there's a hope there uh, neve owens has joined us and uh, this is a bit of a blast from the past neve we d- haven't had you in the studio previewing settling the score for Oh, more than a year. It's like so, old times, Deb. It is. Now, you're filling in for Shannon Byrne today, who's unfortunately unavailable. So what's coming up on Settling the Score over the next few hours? We'll be covering a lot of the things that Shannon has been bringing you in previous weeks. So we'll have a chat about Shoot Shield. We'll cross to Brisbane ahead of the Wallabies game tonight as well, of course. I'll have a chat with Craig Hamilton too. There's some interesting news out of the Knights and the NRL overnight about the ownership model mm. that is still under development in New Newcastle. We'll preview this afternoon's NRL games. We'll talk New South Wales Premier League football. We'll check in with the Neefal. So we've got lots coming up after two o'clock. Neve Owens, look forward to hearing you back on the air with settling the score. Now, before we go, uh, I've got my Hens FC panel still here. And we're just going to quickly touch on the French Open tennis because there's been some interesting topics this week. In case you're wondering, the women's final tonight, Maria Sharapova against Simona Harlep. Firstly, any preferences? Uh, Lindsay, I know you're a bit uh, of a tennis fan. Who, who? I would say Harlep, I guess, just, just you on like the to... back of a new name, a new mm-hmm. face, just uh, mixing it up a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen? Yeah, I might go for Sharapova. Um, All right. <laughs> and, oh, we'll probably hear it from here anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I don't know. I, I've kind of, I like her. I think she's done a lot for women's tennis. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, let, yeah. Yeah, she's a tremendous girl, player. The other girl can earn her stripes. I don't mind. I think yeah, I just think it's exciting when we look at the men's and we've got we've got Nadal and Djokovic. Surprise, surprise. So mm. I think it's a lot. I, I just really excited to see that there is a new name there. So mm. uh, even that is a big achievement for us. So we'll see how she goes under the pressure or if um, or if Sharapova will be like a tea bag in hot water or whatever Andy that, Murray's mother said. Tweeted. That was Judy Murray said. Yeah, you yeah. find out how mom. strong she is when you put her in hot water. I bet she squeals <laughs> if you put her in hot water. <laughs> I can guarantee that. But I love it that Marie was like, I don't know who that is. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I refuse to acknowledge her. Ernst Gulbis uh, got a headline or two this week. He uh, made it to the semis, got beaten last night by Djokovic. Have a listen to this. You have two young sisters that play tennis as well. Are they going to be as good as you? And when did the uh, last time you played hopefully, with them? Hopefully they're not going to pursue a professional tennis career. Hopefully. <laughs> because for women it's uh, it's tough. And, and I, I wouldn't like that my sisters become professional tennis players. And it's a tough choice of life. Woman needs to... Needs to enjoy life a little bit more. Needs to think about family. Needs to think about kids. What 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 kind of what kids you can think about until age of 27 if you're playing professional tennis? You know, that's that's tough for a woman, I think. So, ladies, I want you all to go home and <clears throat> uh, think about children, maybe some housework. Just um, think really hard about having some children. Thanks. Yeah, I'm yeah, over 27, thanks, so yeah, I know. Go absolutely, on. go yeah. on. The window is closed. He's like <laughs> he's like he's about 1920s. <laughs> yes, maybe that's modern in Latvia. I don't know. Yeah. Is that where they have the wife carrying? It doesn't seem tremendously I mean, I think enlightened, that's but maybe that's just sorry. Just, it doesn't it, seem what? It's not a tremendously enlightened sort of perspective. So no. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't speak for all of Latvia. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't speak for anyone on the Hens panel today who can speak for themselves. Melinda Farrell, Helen O'Neill and Lindsay clement And Thanks for your company and your opinions. ABC Grandstand Digital. The Bell Lab on ABC Grandstand Digital. Oh, damn it. Missed it again. If you've missed a show on Grandstand Digital, don't worry. You can go online and listen again. And listen again. Simply log on to abc.net.au slash grandstand and click on the audio link. So if you miss a show, you know where to go.
abc.net.au slash grandstand. You're listening to the best from Grandstand Sport.